0: Section 25 of the Exposition of the Apostles' Creed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio Exposition of the Apostles' Creed by James Dodds. Article 10. The Forgiveness of Sins. The Creed acknowledges God as the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth that there is another relation which he sustains to his creatures besides those of Creator and Father. In Scripture, he is represented as the King, Ruler, Governor of the Universe, who imposes laws upon all his creatures, and requires of them scrupulous obedience. With the exception of man, the visible creatures have these laws, from which they cannot swerve within their constitutions. The planet never deviates from its appointed orbit, The insect, the bird, the beast, all live in strict accordance with their instincts, but, unlike them, man possesses freedom of will and power of choice. This freedom, if rightly exercised, is a noble possession, but, perverted, it is an instrument of destruction. The lower animals cannot sin because the law of their lives is within them, constraining them to act in accordance with its dictates upon man free to choose god imposed law with freedom of will he received the gift of conscience which enabling him to distinguish between right and wrong invested him with responsibility and made disobedience sin that he can sin is his patent of nobility that he does sin is his ruin and disgrace the effect of sin is separation from god who can have no fellowship with evil For sin is the abominable thing which he hates, and on which he cannot even look. A breach, altogether irreparable on man's part, was made between man and his Creator, when the first transgression of the law of God took place. The impulses of every sinner, which only divine power can overcome, is to flee from God. Hence arises the necessity for reconciliation, and for the intervention of God to effect it. That the unity thus broken may be restored... Expiation must be made by one possessing the nature of the being that had sinned, and yet, by his possession of the divine nature, investing that expiation with illimitable worth, so that all sin may be covered, and every sinner find a way of escape from the power and the penal consequences of transgression. These conditions meet in the Lord Jesus Christ, and in him alone. That God might, without compromising his attributes, Be enabled to bring man back into fellowship with himself. He spared not his own Son, and the Son freely gave himself to suffering and death for the world's redemption. In the felt necessity of atonement, which has associated sacrifice with every religion devised by man, we have evidence of the universality of sin. All feel its crushing pressure, and fear the punishment which, conscience assures them, is deserved and inevitable. The heathen confesses it as he prostrates himself before the image of his God, or immolates himself or his fellow man upon his altar, and the Christian feels and confesses it as, fleeing for refuge, he finds pardon and cleansing in the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin is original, or actual, the former inherited from our parents, the latter, personal transgression of the divine law. Every man descending from Adam by ordinary generation is born with the taint of original sin. As a representative head of humanity, Adam transmitted to all his descendants the nature that his sin had polluted. The fountain of life was poisoned at its source, and when Adam begat children, they were born in his likeness. By one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Death reigned. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Actual sin consists in breaking any law of God made known to us by Scripture, conscience, or reason. It assumes many forms. There are sins of thought, of word, of deed, sins of commission or doing what God forbids, of omission or leaving undone what God commands. Sins to which we are tempted by the world, the flesh, or the devil. Sins directly against God. Sins that wrong our neighbors, and that ruin ourselves. Sins of pride, covetousness, lust, gluttony, anger, envy, sloth. In many things we sin, and... If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Man's sinfulness is set forth in Scripture by a great variety of figures. The word rendered sin means the missing of a mark or aim. Sin is sometimes described as ignorance, sometimes as defeat, sometimes as disobedience. The definition of the shorter catechism is clear and comprehensive. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of, the law of God. The taint of original sin, extending to man's whole nature, inclines him to act in opposition to the law of God, and every concession to his corrupt desire, in thought, word, or deed, is actual sin. Because of it, he is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Sin is always spoken of in Scripture as followed by punishment or by pardon. There is no middle way. Salvation for man must therefore involve deliverance from condemnation. The word which expresses man's liability to punishment is guilt. And only a religion which makes known how he may be set free from guilt will suit his necessities. We cannot set ourselves free from condemnation. Man, says the confession of faith, By his fall into a state of sin hath wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation, so, as a natural man, being altogether averse from that good, and dead in sin, is not able, by his own strength, to convert himself, or prepare himself thereunto. Forgiveness of sin must come from God. There is nothing in nature or in human experience to warrant hope of pardon. Nature never forgives a trespass against her law the opportunity that is lost does not return the mistake by which a life is marred cannot be undone the constitution shattered by intemperance cannot be restored the birthright bartered for a mess of pottage is gone for ever and no bitter tears or supplications have power to bring it back whether we repent of it or not every sin we commit leaves its dark mark behind and in this life at least the stain can never be effaced and yet we believe in the forgiveness of sin through the grace of God. The forgiveness of sin is a free gift purchased by the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, who by his cross and passion obtained for men this unspeakable benefit, and commanded that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. In order that the grace of God may bring salvation, it is required that there shall be a. Repentance, In scripture repentance is set forth as necessarily preceding pardon. Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent. Peter said unto them, Repent. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Repentance begins in contrition. Godly sorrow for sin worketh repentance to salvation. B. Before the good gift of God can be received, it is necessary that we confess our sin. It is when we confess our sins that we obtain forgiveness and cleansing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To produce conviction and confession is the work of the Holy Ghost. He reveals to the sinner the sinfulness of his life, and so works in him repentance. c. Another requirement is unfeigned faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith it is impossible to please him. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. D. There must be also humble, earnest resolution to be obedient to the will of God. The forgiveness secured by the death of Jesus is more than mere deliverance from the penalty of sin or the acquittal of the sinner. It is the remission of sins, the putting away of the sin. With pardon, there is a renewal of the inner man. Return to holiness is secured and the lost image of God is restored to man, so that he dies to sin and lives unto holiness. Nothing less than this will satisfy the true penitent, who asks for more than pardon, whose cry is, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It is not sufficient to be set free from punishment. There must be the abiding desire to have the life conformed to the divine will. The grace of God that bringeth salvation teaches and enables all who receive it to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. End of section 25